Welcome to Outreach Church. Thanks for checking out this week's message. To hear more, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or visit outreachchurch.net for downloads and service information. Good morning. We're going to continue to worship Him right now with, with our giving. Um, just, hey, do me a favor. We don't do this every week, but just do me a favor. Grab your, whatever you're going to give. Put it in your hand. Everybody just get it, whatever you're going to give. If you're giving online, you can just hold your phone. If you weren't going to give anything, just hold your empty hand up. It's okay. He'll accept that too. Um, but just take whatever you have. Put it in your hand. Everybody got it? You're still, is anybody still writing out checks? Any more time? We're good? Okay. Take it and hold it up in your hand. Go ahead. Just hold it up in your hand. And let's just declare this. Father God, I give this. Cheerfully, joyfully, with great expectation that your kingdom will advance, that your love will reach. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, we, we always desire to be cheerful givers. Um, it's a give not out of compulsion, not because someone told you you have to. Um, you know, Paul says that, that God loves a cheerful giver, and anything that God said that He loves, He's placed the ability to be within our hearts. So when it says that, that He loves honesty, that means He's placed the ability to be honest people within us, because He would never say that He loves something that He hasn't placed the ability within us for us to be. So if He said that He loves a cheerful giver, then that means within all of us is the ability, is a place that we can find where when we give, it's cheerfully. And that goes for everything. Like, don't just see Sunday morning, um, and, and most of you probably don't, so this might be just for me, but don't just see Sunday morning when we take up an offering as our time to give cheerfully, but be it in all things. When it's someone asks you for help or wants you to do something with them, or, or when you see something that needs to be done, you know, there's a difference in like going along, and I, I, used, to be, I used to be guilty of this. Um, there was a time when different people, not you guys, came to the church, and, you guys, and, and they would leave stuff in the church sometimes. Um, when they left on Sundays, like Starbucks cups and, and things like that. And, um, and it's none of you, so I can talk about these people freely. But, but sometimes I would come into the sanctuary during the week and I would look around and I would see those cups and I wouldn't very cheerfully go pick them up. And I would grumble and I would complain because they should have known better. And I got really convicted of that whenever that was. And I realized it says do all things without grumbling or complaining. Not just things that you enjoy, not just things that you feel like you should be doing, but do all things without grumbling and complaining. And, and there's even a place where you can cheerfully give that time, where you can say, God, I'm thankful that I'm able to be here, that I have hands that work and feet that work, that I can walk through these aisles and I can pick up this stuff. And God, I pray that whoever left this stuff behind, that they were so full of You and their, their, their hearts were so full and, and so joyful and they were just so excited about what You're doing in their life that when they left here, the last thing they thought about was trash because they're seeing something so much greater. 
And you can actually start to think that way. And you can actually be transformed because you're renewing your mind. Because the way that you think is changing, though who you are is changing. That's what God was talking about when He said, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, in an instant, you're born again. In an instant, all things become new. Everything has passed. Behold, all things are new. We believe that, right? The Word says it. If any man is in Christ, he is therefore now a new creation. Behold, everything, all things have changed. All things have passed away. And everything has become new. But there is is something else that has to constantly be changed even after that born again experience and that's the way that we think because the way that you think isn't changed in an instant you have the ability in an instant to think differently and you have access to it because you now have the mind of Christ because you have the spirit of the living God living inside of you because formerly you were of the spirit of this world but now you have been partakers of the divine nature the very nature of God lives inside of you and the ability to think like he thinks and see like he sees is actually inside of you but you have to choose to access that and you actually have to choose to think differently And so I can walk through here and it might not be my natural reaction instantly to be joyful as I pick up a Starbucks cup. How many of you guys love the new vanilla bean frappuccino that they have at Starbucks? Yeah, it's probably you. (laughs) I'm just kidding. But but, but maybe it was. But anyways, I was going to have them up on stage and and I wasn't going to say anything to anyone. And I was going to be like, has anyone tried the new and start asking people? And all the people that got real excited, I was going to be like, it's you. And I was going to call everybody out, but that was before God changed my heart. You can imagine. Yeah, that is. It is. And now we're just praying that God will change their hearts. Lord, that they would see this as your carpet that we're to steward and take good care of. No, but really think about that. Like, in an instant, who you were is gone, and who you are has come. But there is this thing of being transformed by the renewing of your mind and thinking differently because certainly you used to think a certain way. You used to look like, like I used to look and see that and all I could think of was that people didn't care. And it's like, and you know what the truth of the matter is? is That could be partially true. It, it could just be someone really didn't care and they just left their trash there. But you know the truth of the matter is, is thinking that way doesn't help me to see them in a way that I want to see them. So why would I start to think that way when I can choose to think? You know what? They were so busy meeting people here at church. They were so busy talking to the people that they met. They were so excited about what God had shared through the message or, or what God was doing in their heart during worship or, or something that somebody shared or seeing someone prayed for. They were so blessed that they read something in the Word even as we were speaking a message about something else and God just opened His Word up to them. And they were so focused on that that they didn't think about. And all of a sudden, I can see them differently because the way that I think is changed and I'm thinking differently and rather than thinking about the fact that I have to do something I can see it as something that I get to do and it's the exact same thing it's accomplishing the exact same thing and yet it's allowing me to have a cheerful and a good attitude and it's allowing me to see them not with an angry uh, lens but to see them through a joyful loving lens and you know what we can choose that in everything in life there's always a way to see that will cause us to have a heart like his towards people If our heart towards people is not like His, if it's not loving, kind, gentle, peaceful, gracious, merciful, if if it's none of those things, if that's not the way we see people, then there's a way that we can see them that would cause that response in our heart. And when we change the way we think towards people and about situations, the way we see things will start to change in that lens. Then our eye is single. So I says, if your eye is single, your whole body's flooded with light. 
In other words, if you only see one way, if I only see through the eyes of love, if I only see through the eyes of everything that I've been given, I'm now charged to be a steward of and to give away. And how could I not give away grace when so much grace has been freely given to me? If I see every situation that way, how can I ever see something less than loving? How can I ever see something less than the way that He sees me? And do I even have the right to? Do I even have the right to? I, I'm, I'm going to preach a different message than I thought. Um, can we? Can you do me a favor and pull up the uh, the parable of the talents? I'm sorry, not the parable of the talents. Um, the unforgiving servant. I'm just going to pull this up real quick. It doesn't matter which version you go to. Whichever one you go to, I'll follow along with. That way we're all in the same one. Let's go to Matthew. All right, eighteen twenty-one. Okay. You guys all there? Matthew chapter... Uh, 18, verse 21. We're going to read down through 35, I think. Okay. It says, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who went to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what happened, they were outraged and they went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In his anger, he handed him over to the jailers to be tormented until he could pay back all he owed. This is how your heavenly Father would treat each of you unless you forgive your brother and sister from your heart. God, I thank You for Your Word. I thank You that it's alive, that it's sharp, that it divides, that it cuts. God, I thank You that we have a written record of, of who You are and how You are towards us. I ask, Holy Spirit, as I speak today, that You would give me words, that the words coming from my mouth would be Yours. I pray that our ears would be open to hear and our minds to understand and our hearts to receive that we would be good soil. God, that the fruit of our lives would be something that a world that does not know You could taste and see that You're good. And I thank You for that in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is a parable I think a lot of us know. And, and, and I've, I've taught on this parable before and, 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 um, and I think it was a good teaching. But there's something that I saw in here. I was actually talking to someone recently. Um, someone called me up and they said, hey man, I really need to talk to you about some stuff. And they came over to my house. And, and, and when I counsel people, I'm not like a counselor, really. I mean, all I know to do is listen to what people are saying, hear what they're saying, and respond with truth from God's Word and, and try to point them towards Jesus and point them towards truth. 
and apply what the Word of God says to their situation. And so uh, I'm praying before he comes, and you know, he told me what he was struggling with. He said, you know, I'm, I'm just been really, I thought I was free from it, but I'm struggling with unforgiveness and holding things against people. And, and so I, I knew that before he came over, and I'm just praying, God, give me words. Like when he starts to talk, I don't want to respond with my own wisdom and my own logic. I just want you to speak through me. And I want it to be something that he can receive that will actually change the way that he thinks and change his life. Because, you know, it's, it's been too long that this has been going on in his life. And so he came over and, and he's sharing his story with me and he's telling me about the things that are going on and how, you know, he thought he had, but he really hadn't and how it was causing anger to burst out in him. And, and uh, at one point, even his wife told him, dude, you need help. And so he said, and that's why I called you. And I thought, well, um, okay. And so I just sat there for a minute and I prayed. And then I went to this story. I, and, I, and I started talking, and I just want to share with you guys this morning just the revelation that came out of my mouth as I was talking to him, because um, I don't know that I've heard it preached, and I know that I've never preached it. Um, but he was talking, and I said, you know, there's this story in the Bible about the, the unforgiving servant who's forgiven much, and then I said, you know the story, right? And, and the way the story breaks down is basically the man comes before the master and he owes him a debt that no man could ever pay in this lifetime on their own. It's, it's a staggering amount. Take any amount you want and multiply it. It's, just, it's basically to say the amount is so big that it's to say that there was no possible way that this man would ever be able to repay this debt. It's not as if he could work it off. It's not, it, he would have been trapped forever had he been held in prison until he could repay the debt, there would have been no repaying it. In fact, for generations, his family couldn't have repaid this debt. That's the amount that was forgiven to him. That's the amount that was forgiven us. This is what Jesus is saying. It's not a debt that you could have ever paid back. He just he took a number that was so ginormous that anyone listening to it would have said, well, there's no possible way a man could ever pay that back in a lifetime. That's the point Jesus is trying to make here, is that there actually is no possible way this man could have repaid that debt, and there's no possible way that you and I could have ever repaid the debt that we owed. It isn't possible. And so the man is forgiven. He falls before him, and he, he sees his need for, for forgiveness because he understands, I can't repay this debt. It's a life sentence and beyond if I'm not forgiven. I see my need for forgiveness. I see that there's no way on my own that I could ever repay this debt. And so he falls on his face before the Master and he asks Him for forgiveness. He asks Him to have mercy upon Him. And each and every one of us to be born again at some point in our lives needs to come to that place where we see what we owe. We see ourselves. It's not this like, one day do you want to go to heaven? Okay, good, say a prayer. That way you're safe and your bases are covered and you never have to feel guilty when you walk by the people handing out tracts downtown again. That's not what it's about. It's actually coming to a place where I understand I have done so wrong and I have sinned against God so grievously that there's no way that I can repay this debt on my own. It's not possible. The only hope that I have is to fall on my face before Him and ask for forgiveness and receive mercy. That's what it is to truly understand and to come to the end of ourselves. And that's the place that we have to find ourselves in to truly be born again. Is to understand that, that the debt that I owe, the thing that I have, who I am, cannot on its own redeem itself. And I need grace. I need mercy. I need a Savior. 
I need forgiveness. And this is what the servant comes to. He comes to this realization in an instant. He realizes, there's no way I'm going to pay this back. And the master looks at him and says, it's forgiven. Okay, that's important to remember that. It is forgiven. Now, who is the master in this story? Who does he represent? It's not a trick question. It's God. Yeah, it's the Father. Okay, and, and so because at the end Jesus says, so my Father will also treat you if you don't pay. So he's, he represents the Father. And the debt is forgiven. How many of you guys know that when he forgave the debt, what was owed, it was forgiven in an instant. And, and when he said that God said, I will forgive their sins and remember them no more. He's not going to bring that back up again. And that part kind of troubled me. And I, I think I may have missed that part or, or only partially got it right before when we preached on it. But, and I'll tell you why in a minute. But So... Um, so he said, I forgive you. It's done. It's done away with. And forever from that day forward, that debt is gone as if it never existed. The minute that you became born again, a new creation in Christ, everything that you have done, everything that you would do was lost and is gone. It's forgiven. It's covered by the blood of Jesus. And it is as if it never happened. So far from, their, from me will their sin be removed as far as the east is from the west. In other words, it's, it's as far away as it can be, and it's getting farther away every single day, if that's possible. The east and west are continually headed apart one from the other. They are diametrically opposed. It is gone, lost, as if it never happened. I, Lord their God, am, am He who will forgive their sins and remember them no more. It's not only just forgiven, it's gone from His mind. We've talked about that. That's why when you pray over and over again for God to forgive you for the same sin, it doesn't feel any different after the first time. It's because now it's up to you to actually believe the, that He forgave you. Because on His end, it's finished. When Jesus dies on the cross, everything that has to be done, now it's for us to receive and believe by faith that we actually have what He says that we have and that we actually are who He says that we are. That we actually do stand before Him. Blameless, perfect, upright. Okay, And so that debt is forgiven. So the Master says to Him, I forgive you. And the servant turns around and He leaves. And as He's leaving, He sees a man that owes him a pittance in comparison to what he was just forgiven. I mean, just a pittance. Like it's not even, you can't even compare them. One was so, he'd just been forgiven the beach and now he runs across a man that owes him a grain of sand. He's been forgiven the ocean and he runs across a man that owes him a bottle of water. And so he says to this, he sees him, and he says to him, You owe me. You owe me. You owe me something. Pay me. And the man looks at him and says, I can't pay you. There's no way. Give me time. See, this was something that actually with time could be paid back. This is something that could be made right. He says, give me a little time. Have mercy on me. And instead of extending to the man what was extended to him, he snatches him up and he says, have him thrown in jail. Him and his family and let them be tormented until he can repay everything that was owed to him. Oh, that was owed to me. 
And Jesus is saying, listen, what has been done to you is so minor compared to what was done for you. That's the point He's making in using these amounts. It's like what was done for you is so unbelievably huge that anything that was done to you when held in comparison is so minor. It's not worth considering and it's certainly not worth holding on to. Yet, we have the choice to hold on to it if we want to. And this servant makes that choice. He says, no. You owe me. You deserve to go to jail until you can repay in full all that was paid, all that was owed. It says when the other servants, when the other servants saw, it says when the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. And then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled the debt. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? What he's looking at him, I can see it almost in his face, almost as if he can't comprehend because the expectation that the Master has is that everything that is extended to the servant would then be extended by the servant. There's this principle in the Word that says everything that is given to us, it says to whom much is given, much is required. Because there's an expectation that when something is given, that there's a stewardship and that there's an extension of that into the world so that it reproduces itself. The Master had full intention of His heart being reproduced in the servant so that when the servant encountered someone who owed Him and found himself in the place of the Master, he would respond in the same way that the Master did. Why? God has always wanted to reproduce Himself inside of you. Always. There's two forces on this earth trying to reproduce themselves. There's good and there's evil. There's the Father and there's the enemy. The enemy wants you to look like Him. The Father wants you to look like Him. And both are trying desperately to reproduce themselves inside of you. And so he expected this. It wasn't like, oh, it would be nice. Like There was no, you know, hey, let me call you in here for a minute. Um, you know, look, I, I, I know He owes you. I know. And, and I know that you have every right, but I think it would be nice if you would consider forgiving him. You don't have to. See, we do that sometimes. Like, like, like I do that with my kids um, because of their ages right now and just their personalities. One's more naturally giving and one's more naturally taking. And... Um, and sometimes I will see the one who's naturally more taking try not extending the same grace that's extended to him by the one that's more giving. All right, Aaliyah's more giving and Jackson's more taking, okay? <laughs> I, 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 he's not in here. And even if he was, he'd probably admit it. But, but sometimes I see Jackson acting in a way that doesn't reflect the way his sister acts towards him. And so I'll take him aside and I'll say, now bud, listen. You don't have to give Aaliyah a bite of your chicken fingers. You don't have to. If you, those are your chicken fingers, and if you want to, you can say no. But just remember, earlier today, 
when you wanted somebody to do something, Aaliyah jumped up and did it for you. And when you wanted to try her pizza, Aaliyah gave you a bite of her pizza. And when you didn't have any candy, she told you you could have this. And when the gifts that came from your grandmother came and they weren't labeled and you wanted one and she wanted one, she backed off and said, no, you can have it. It's, I want you to have that. And she took the less desirable gift. But I'm not going to force you. I just think that in my light of all that, maybe you should consider giving her a bite of your chicken finger. No? Okay. I'm just kidding. Usually he will come around and see things my way. But see, I give it to him as if he has a choice. Uh, The way I put it to him is like, it would be nice in light of what she's done if you would respond the same way. But this is not the way the father talks to the servant that he brings in that didn't extend forgiveness. He doesn't say to him, listen, I know that you have it within your rights and I'm not going to tell you you have to. No, he says to him, he says, you wicked servant. Why does he say that? Because he expects that everything that was extended to them would be extended by them. He expects that you would see his heart and that your heart would be changed so that if you find yourself ever in the similar situation, the only response you have is the response that was given to you by him, which is mercy and grace. And he says to him, you wicked servant, I did this for you. How in the world would you not extend the same to him? And don't forget that what I forgave was so great and what you are looking to hold on to is so minor, it doesn't even make sense. That's wicked. It's not like, hey guys, it'd be nice. This is strong language from Jesus. Why? Because it's not because He's concerned with the one who owes the debt that's going to be held in prison for a small amount of time until He can repay a petty debt. It's because His concern is for the one who's holding on to the unforgiveness because He knows that it's going to ruin His life because He's not allowing what was done for Him to change who He is. Instead, He's thankful for the gift in the moment, but it doesn't change who He is going forward. And there's nothing that I believe that makes the Father more angry than when people who were extended something receive it and enjoy it and then walk away from it unchanged and go out and refuse to extend the same thing to other people. Hey Siri. So what does He say to them? This is the part that I, it just as it came out of my mouth, I thought, oh, that's good. You guys ever have those moments, right, where you're talking and it's like something comes out of your mouth and you know it's the Holy Spirit talking because you're not that smart? And, and so he said to him, he said, you wicked servant, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And in his anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. but I thought He forgave him the debt. Is that the way God is with forgiveness? Is that He forgives the debt and then if you refuse to forgive, He brings it back up? No. No, because He's not a man that He should lie and there is no shadow of turning in Him. What He's saying is, you owe forgiveness to that man. And until you extend to Him the forgiveness you owe Him because of the forgiveness you received, you're going to be tormented 
and you're going to be held in a prison and you're the one that has the key because the minute you decide to pay back what you owe, you'll be set free. And he owed the servant not money, but he owed him to extend the heart of the Father to him the way the heart of the Father was extended to him. That's what he owed. That's why the Bible says, owe no man anything except for what? To love them. What is he saying? Anything that you're unwilling to extend to other people that has been extended by the Father to you, it's not a choice. See, you don't even have a choice in the matter. It's not an option. It's not a, hey, hey guys, it would be nice. Hey, Roy, uh, let's talk. I know that, that that person said some stuff about you that wasn't true. And, and, and it's okay if you want to hold on to anger and, and you want to have them tormented. See, that's the problem is nobody wants to be tormented themselves, but everybody hopes the other person's tormented until they see what they did was wrong and until they come to them and ask them for forgiveness. And in doing so, we place ourselves under the very thing that we wished upon other people. And it's the Father who did it. Because Jesus says, so my Father will do also to you. Listen to these words. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. What is He saying? He's saying, listen guys, this is not like extra credit Christianity. See, sometimes if we're not careful, we get this idea that there's like base level Christianity, you know, and then there's kind of like getting more mature Christianity, and then there's like, you know, superhero Christianity, which is like they do everything that they're supposed to do, and they walk in forgiveness. Well, sure, they do because they're this or that. He's saying, listen, guys, this is not optional. This is not one day when you arrive. This is what you have to do because you actually owe this to every single person that will ever do anything wrong. You owe them forgiveness. You owe them grace. You owe them mercy because of the grace, mercy, and forgiveness that was extended to you. And he says, have him locked away until he repays all that he owes. What did he owe? He owed forgiveness. He owed grace. And he owed mercy. And if you're holding on to something that was done to you, which is so minuscule in accordance to what was done for you, he says, you will be actually tormented You realize some of us in our lives, we have torment because we're holding on to a tiny little debt when a huge debt was forgiven us and we're not extending towards people what was extended towards us. But it's not even worth comparing. Like what we were given is not even worth comparing to what we're owed. We've been given everything. And then we're owed this one tiny little thing and we want to act like that's a huge deal and hold on to it. Well, you don't know what they've done. No, you know what? The truth of the matter is you don't know what was done for you if you feel that way. You don't understand the magnitude of what was done for you. You don't understand the enormity of your debt. You don't understand the extreme cost of what was done for you if you think you have the right to hold on to something and look at somebody and say, well, you don't know what they did to me. I would say, if that comes out of your mouth, that you don't know what was done for you. Because if you understood what was done for you, it would change the way you see what was done to you. 
and you would understand that it's actually something that you owe. It's not optional. It's not optional. Everything that was extended to you, there's an expectation that it will be extended from you. So I just... I want to do this before we move into a new year. And I, I know, like, you know, like I said earlier, like, like me and Patty were talking about this. You know, she's like, everybody talks about the new year as if some big things are going to change. But this year it's going to be this, and this year it's going to be that. As if you know, turning on, oh, the calendar year one year is going to change who you are. Nothing changes unless something changes. Like Just because 2016 isn't going to make it any easier to eat healthy. Like the burgers are still going to smell just as good. The, you know, like it, the, when the menu comes, your best intentions go right out the window and they don't change just because it's 2016. When it changes is when you change and you decide that something's going to be different because of a choice that you're making. Not because there's a magical day on your calendar that says 2016. Nothing will change. But I'm telling you, you can choose for things to change and they actually can change. Because the second that this man decided to forgive, he was set free. He was no longer tormented. The second, he said, until he pays what is owed. What was God saying? God was saying, listen, I'm not going to hold this against you forever. You decide how long it gets held against you. And the minute you decide to repay what you owe, the minute you decide to extend what was extended to you, instantly you're set free and you're no longer tormented. And I I just believe, like we've talked about this before, but I believe there are people in here who are holding on to things that were done to them. And maybe it's something that was done to you when you were younger. You know, maybe something that happened recently. But you're holding on to it. And when you think about it, you hold on to that thing tightly because of how great the thing that was done to you was. And I want to tell you that I believe you're not seeing what was done for you if you're choosing to hold on to something that was done to you. And that in, in, in an instant, that can shift. In an instant, that can change. And right now, you can understand that you actually owe forgiveness to that person. Well, they didn't ask me to forgive them. It does not matter if they asked. You received the responsibility to extend forgiveness the second that you received forgiveness from the Father. And whether that person ever asked to be forgiven or not has nothing to do with you. Whether you choose to forgive has everything to do with you. Because the truth of the matter is, they may have no idea. They may have no idea that the thing that you think about every single day, they might have forgot it long ago. They may have no clue what it did. There's people, man, there's pe- I promise, I, I've been there. There's people that, like in ministry, they step away from something in ministry and nobody even said thank you. And hold on to that. And actually let that make a a difference in whether or not they will minister and use the giftings that were given to them again because the last time they did, when they stepped away, nobody even said thank you. I don't even know if anyone noticed. What does that prove? It proves that we were doing it for ourselves and for the applause of men to begin with. Because if we're doing it for Him, there's no need for that when we step away. Because we know that we have His approval. We know that we have His thankfulness. We know that He approves of us and that He's grateful that we use the giftings that we gave. So I just want to, before we go into 2016, because I feel like for whatever reason, maybe we attach some significance to it, but maybe we can make it significant. Maybe we can say that, that 2015 was the year that we left unforgiveness behind. That we can actually look back and say 2015 was the last year that I allowed any torment in my life by holding on to something that was done to me rather than extending what was done for me. So I'm going to close up with this. And I just want to offer 
the opportunity right now. Knowing, in light of what the Word of God says, that it's not an option. Listen, if you're sitting here right now and you're holding on to unforgiveness, forgiving that person is not an option. It's not a nice idea. It's not a, well, that would be really cool. It's not a, hey, you know, not the way that I talk to Jackson. It's the words of Jesus saying that if you choose to not extend what was extended to you, that you will be locked into a prison of torment until you repay all that you owe. And what you owe is no man anything but to love them. So if you're holding on to anything that's less than love towards any person, it's not a nice idea. It's not a good suggestion. It's a, will you extend to that person what was extended freely to you? Will you, now that you've freely received, freely give? This is what Jesus said, right? He said, freely receive, freely give. That everything that you've received, you now have to give. And not only can you, there's an expectation of the Father upon you that what you've received would change who you are and change the way you respond and that your response would mirror His response to you when you messed up, when you did something that grieved His heart. So I just want to do that right now before we move on and, and end this service. I want to give you an opportunity. If you're holding on to something, if you're holding on to hurt, to anger, to bitterness, if you, if you feel like that person did something so bad and you're holding on to that and you're saying, I'm not going to forgive them because they haven't asked me to and because they don't deserve it. Or if people have talked to you before about unforgiveness and you've bristled up and you've made it your story and you've said, well, you don't know what they've done to me. I want to suggest that maybe you need to just take a fresh look at what was done for you. And that maybe you'll see that that grain of sand is nothing compared to the ocean. So right now, if you want to do that, if you want to leave that behind and not take that with you, if you want to walk out of that door today and leave the torment that you've been under behind, you can do that. And all it takes is changing the way that you think because truth has come. No longer believing that I have the right to hold on to anything less than loving towards any person because of all that was done for me. And that I actually owe it to those people. It can sound, that can sting a little. It stung the guy a little bit when I told him, I said, you know what the truth of the matter is? Those people that did that to you, you owe them. He flared up a little bit. What do you mean I owe them? I said, you owe them. You owe them the forgiveness that was extended to you by the Father. You owe it to them. You're in debt to them. And until you set them free from that in your own heart, from your heart, you'll be held and tormented the same way. So I just want to give us an opportunity right now. Just right where you are. Like without people looking around. Because sometimes we worry more about what people would think if they saw than what the Father thinks and He sees. If that's you and you need to let something go and you need to leave it in 2015, like legitly let it go, then just raise your hand up right where you are. We want to pray with you and we want to pray for you. If there's anybody, yeah. Just keep your hands up. Yeah, listen, this is like the, the greatest thing ever because it's deciding that you are no longer going to be held in a prison of your own choosing, but it's that you're going to actually extend and release to those people what was extended and released to you by the Father. So here's what I want us to do right now. I just want you to picture that person, that thing in your mind. 
what they said, what they did, what they didn't do, what they didn't say. Whatever it is that happened. I just want you to picture that event in your mind. And now I just want you to picture right now the blood of Jesus coming and covering it and washing it away and leaving nothing behind but white. That we would be able to say as the Father said, it's removed from Me so far as the east is from the west. I will forgive their sin and remember it no more. And I just want you to, right now, from your heart, forgive them. Not because I'm telling you to, but because the Father is asking you to. And I'm just speaking on His behalf and saying, would you extend to them what was extended to you? Would you see what they've done in light of what you've been forgiven and see that it's a small thing to forgive compared to what was already forgiven? Here's what I want to say. For every person that's doing that right now, there will be a time when the enemy will bring that thing back up to you and remind you of what was done. We're not like God in this that we can actually say, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't remember that. We remember sometimes the things that were done even though we're trying. The way that we as human beings forget the way God forgets is we don't allow the thing that happened to change the way that we look at that person and we don't see them in light of that anymore ever again. And if the, if the temptation to do that comes, if the temptation to remember that and to feel those feelings and to look at them that way comes, I want you just to remember yourself on your knees before the throne receiving all that you received from the Father and watch that destroy that feeling of being owed anything. Look around, church. If you see someone with your hands up, just keep your hands up. We want to pray with you and for you. Paul talked about the laying on of hands as like one of the elemental foundational things of Christianity. Just look around, church. If you see someone with your raise your hands up if you were someone that wanted prayer, that prayed for that. Come on, please don't be afraid to do this right now. Don't be ashamed. It's okay that you needed to pray for that. Yeah, it's okay. What you're doing right now is you're allowing other people to agree with you. Look around, church. If there's somebody with their hands raised, just put a hand on their shoulder. And we're just going to pray over them that, that every single bit of what was released today would be gone and forgotten. That we would actually forgive. That it would be removed as far as the east is from the west. That, it, that, that not only would the wound be, remo- be healed, but that, that something would come and replace that. That not only would the hatred be removed, but that love would come and replace where there once was hatred, where there once was anger, that joy would replace it. God, I just thank You for that right now in every person in here. That where there once was a pit of anger and a wound, God, that there would healing would come and that not only would the, would the anger be removed, but that love would replace that. That joy would replace that. God, that we would see those people the way that You saw us and that we would actually happily extend towards them forgiveness knowing that it sets us free and that it has the ability, if they will accept it, to set them free. God, we pray that, that, that our prayers would not be for us in this matter, God, that we would understand that we've been made whole because of the blood of Jesus, that we've been saved, sealed, delivered, sozo, completely healed and set free by Your love. God, that our prayer would be for them, that they would come to understand their need 
for, save, for a, a Savior, that they would come to understand their need for forgiveness, and that they would receive everything that Jesus died on the cross for them to receive. God, that they would see themselves the way You see them, that they would never again do what they did to us, to anybody else, because they would be changed by Your love. And God, if we never get the chance to see them and tell them in person, if we never get the opportunity, if they never ask us, that our position towards them would be one of fixed forgiveness. That we're not waiting for them to come. That our heart towards them would be a forgiveness right now. I thank You for that. Holy Spirit, I ask that You just come right now and every single heart that's been hurt, that You would come and You would just remind us right now of all that's been done for us, of who we've been made to be in Christ. God, I thank You that in 2016, we walked with an understanding of everything that we have received from You freely. That we have a responsibility, an obligation, and an expectation of heaven to receive or to, to extend towards people. I ask God that our hearts and our minds would be changed. That we would see ourselves as dispensers of your good uh, joy, of your good faith, of your good peace, of your good love. That we would see ourselves as a conduit that the goodness of God would flow through us towards people. That we would never respond to people in any other way than the way that you've responded to us. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.